Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Our first core value at Believer's Church is formation or spiritual formation. And what this means is to become students of Jesus, to become an apprentice of Jesus, and to learn what it means uh, to follow Jesus. We become students of Jesus through the practice of spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture, fasting, silence and solitude, giving, serving. There's a, a lot of worship, what we've been doing. There's a lot of different ways that we actually do this. So what we do every spring and every fall as part of this core value is we take a spiritual discipline to focus on, all right? The goal is to take this spiritual discipline and to deeply implement it into our lives, making ourselves full disciples of Jesus, all right? So this is the goal that we have. So here we are in the fall, and what we're going to be talking about today and through the next few weeks is hospitality. So our our spring practice with scripture. Our goal, the regular church has 39% of people that attend church that call themselves daily Bible readers. Our goal was to turn that into three out of four or 75% of our people being daily Bible readers. Okay, so here we are with hospitality. So as I was preparing uh, this series and this time together, Beth told me, this is what she said. She said, but you're horrible at hospitality. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I love the outsider. I welcome people in. I love people. I said, I'm not that way. And she said, when people come over to eat, I have an expiration date with people. So when people come over to eat, I'm usually at some point ready for them to go. All right. Or uh, I'm not necessarily that great at making people feel welcome if they're spending the night. Now, My sister-in-law, Amy, is here, and she's with us most of the time, and she is the best gift buyer in history. Or if you go over to her house, you've got all this stuff decorated so nice, like when you walk in, you feel so welcome. I am probably the worst gift buyer in history. That's just a fact. So meaning that I've probably got a lot to learn through this practice as well. So there's also a section of the website called Recommended Readings. This section is specifically designed for our practices in spiritual formation. So right now you've got a lot of uh, books on there for Scripture, ways to read the Bible, ways to help you interpret the Bible, things you've never considered about the Bible, etc. If you look at Recommended Readings today on BelieversChurchJC.com, we have five wonderful uh, recommendations for what it means 
to practice spiritual hospitality and to walk with Jesus through the practice of hospitality. So I recommend that you pick up one of those. If you are ambitious, you can pick up all five of those, as some of you did with the other practice. Okay, so here's our goal for our fall practice. This is both individual and it's also communal. So it's individual in the sense of your personal relationship with Jesus and how you walk with God every single day, but it's also going to be important corporately for us as a body and us as a church. So part one through three today and in the next couple of weeks are going to be focused on the individual. And this is the goals for this practice, part one through three, for you to become hospitable like Jesus. So for you to understand this ancient practice that is really dropped off that we're not doing very well at, for us to really learn and understand what it means to practice scriptural hospitality. But then our second goal, which is going to be part four in this series, is for our church to practice hospitality toward guests and outsiders in the most magnificent, amazing way possible. And then goal number uh, three, which is going to be part five, is for our church to be seen as good neighbors by those around us. I'm going to step out on a limb and I'm just going to say that most churches aren't seen as good neighbors. There are people that live in a subdivision or in a downtown area around churches, and they can't tell you anything about the church down the road. They can't tell you anything. The only thing they know is that people show up on Sundays and leave on Sundays. But what does it mean to actually be a church of the neighborhood, which is key to my theological viewpoints? So we're going to begin this practice by discussing a short history or introduction of scriptural hospitality. And I want to say something very important. This practice has largely been lost since the 17th century. So some of you may be saying, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that prayer is really important. I think that scripture reading is very important. And you know that I'm going to agree with you on those things. But hospitality, that maybe seems a little bit down the line. That maybe doesn't seem uh, like something that's very important. And that's because this is a practice that has been lost since the 17th century and really not fully recovered. All right, we, we have superficial versions of what spiritual hospitality look like, but we're really not practicing it the way that it was in the New Testament. So let me say this and make sure that this is very clear. Hospitality is a mark of Christian discipleship. It's not something that you skip over. It's not something that you can miss. So if you are reading scripture daily, if you have a, a, a deep prayer life, if maybe in the Jewish sense, every other uh, or every Wednesday and Friday you fast or you're worshipful in everything that you do and you serve in your church, but you lack hospitality, you are still not a full disciple. And I'll be honest enough to say, I'm not quite there yet in all these areas, trying to get there. And that's what sanctification and daily growth is about. But I'm just not there yet. But this is a mark of Christian 
uh, discipleship. There are a lot of denominations that treat social justice or doing for others or welcoming and caring for others as an add-on, as not part of what is supposed to be central to the mission and the vision of the church. So we have this, we have that, we have all these wonderful programs, we have all these wonderful things. So how do we kind of fit outreach into that? Or how do we kind of fit what it means to be hospitable into that? And the point that I'm going to make to you guys throughout the course of the next five weeks is that this is absolutely central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is one of the most important and talked about portions of Scripture, and we miss it on a regular basis. So as a self-identified Wesleyan or someone who follows the teachings of John Wesley, my journey has been very much grounded in love for neighbor. And I don't know that you can love a neighbor the right way if you don't first love God the right way. But love for neighbor and this practice of hospitality or loving the outsider and what that person looks like and the things that people are going through. We see this all over the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. We see this in the wisdom literature. We see this in the historical books, and we see this in the writings of the prophets. And then if we go to the New Testament, we see this all over the ministry of Jesus, but then we see this in Paul, and we see this in Peter as well. So today I want to highlight a couple of New Testament passages that I will think will receive uh, more attention as we go on, in particular the one in Luke as we move on throughout this series, and I also want to define what hospitality is in the biblical sense, okay? So first, hospitality, xenia in Greek, literally means guest friendship or ritualized friendship. All right, so what does it mean to make friendship with people that you don't know? Because people by nature, if they're your friends, well, they're already your friends, but what does it mean to develop deep relationships with other people or people that you would even consider to be guests? It essentially means friendly relations with strangers or love for strangers. Now listen, church people are not very good at this. We're really, really poor at this because most of the time, and I, and I hate to, to say this, we are very inward focused. We are very focused on what's going on within our church, within the body of believers that we belong to, but we're not often looking outside of this at people who are different than us. I was talking to our, our senior leadership team the other night, and I said, our church, for the most part, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but I'm saying our church, for the most part, is middle-aged to maybe just a little bit older, uh, Caucasian, uh, primarily conservative, and that's what we expect and that's what we see all of the time. That's what the majority of people that are here are. So what does it look like whenever we encounter people that are different from us? And what does Jesus say about this? And what does Jesus do through this? So I would actually, this is my definition of, of hospitality to invite the guest or stranger into your world 
and to treat them like friends and family. Now, I may not have them over for dinner for long, but I have taken people and made it a practice in my life. I don't care how different you look from me. I don't care what your viewpoints are. I don't care what your politics are. Some people, they'll be around certain people and they say, that's just not my crowd. Or that's just not my crowd. I follow Jesus, so you're my crowd, whoever you are. And that's where I'm going to be. And that's where I'm going to stay. And if that conflicts with the, the norm within churches, well, that's their problem. Because God has called me to be the way that I am. So a couple of verses that I want us to look at, or a couple, a couple passages that I want us to look at. Again, Luke 14, we're going to go into more detail in two weeks, but I just want to, I want to set a framework, okay, for where we're going to be. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, and then I'm going to go to Luke 14 and just look at a few verses. All right, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, and I hope this burns you up inside. I hope that the power of the Holy Spirit convicts you where you are, because listen, this is a launching place. This is a starting place for us today, and we need to get it. I believe the future of our church, and I believe our mission to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus, and our vision to create environments where the kingdom of God is visible and contagious, depends on us getting this. All right, Matthew chapter 25, we're going to go down to verse 31, and we're going to finish out the chapter. Now, when the human one, or the son of man, comes into his majesty and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, and then he's going to put the goats over here on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, gosh, this is so key, guys, hear this. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you? or naked and give you clothes to wear? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me. Then he will say to those on the left, the goats, get away from me. You will receive terrible things. Go to the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you, please hear this because this will echo through eternity for some of us. I assure you that when you haven't done for one of the least of these, you haven't done for me and that you will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So I'm going to follow with you guys as we pull up this passage from Luke, because this is the next one that we're going to look at. And again, more detail on this passage in two weeks. And I'm not giving a lot of context here. Context is important. This is just setting up an introduction. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. He said, this is a teaching moment. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, as Matt Smith would often be, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. Not very popular for most of us. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to the better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Now, again, combining these two passages, what we want to do is just create a very basic framework, and it is going to sting for some of you, I promise. First thing that Jesus is teaching us, and we need to see it this morning, is this. We must be willing to remove any prejudice, any prejudice whatsoever that we have about the poor, the foreigner, the outcast, or any other person that is different. As followers of Jesus on day one, what is expected of me? How am I supposed to see this world? Am I supposed to tuck myself into the comfort of this church around all of these wonderful, righteous people that look exactly like me? In fact, it's the opposite. You love this body. You protect this body. You take care of this body. This is the body of the Christ. This is the most beautiful expression of faithfulness in this world, even though we have problems. But outwardly is where we struggle. Outwardly, whenever we see other people, how many times have we made a judgment about other people whenever they fall into one of these categories? How many times have we looked at the person on the side of the road, the person outside of a business, the person that does not look like us ethnically? How many times have we looked at someone that looks completely different based on whatever you might look like and made judgment? Let me say this. A person can be covered in tattoos and they can, you can make a judgment about them, but guess what? Those people in tattoos 
can also make judgments about you. Nobody's clear of this. So let's make sure that we're paying attention to what Jesus is commanding us to do. Well, I'm not sure that, that Jesus feels that way. I'm not sure that Jesus would actually say those things. I have some advice. Read the New Testament. Just read it. Just pick it up. Not a hymnal. Not just a study book. Look at the red letters. Look at the ministry of Paul. Look at the ministry of Peter. Look at all of the practices that we see, all of the laws in the Torah. And you see where we're supposed to be. And my suggestion to us as a church today is that we cannot move one step further in the right direction if we have individuals in this room or in our church that are holding on to this form of prejudice. You think you've arrived. Jesus said, you haven't arrived. Take the lowest seat. That's where you're supposed to be. That's exactly what we see in 1410. When you receive an invitation, go sit in the least important place. In other words, see yourself in a state of humility at the bottom. I don't know what the humility that Jesus has given me because of how much that I've been saved from and how much I've been saved from just in the past week that I could judge anybody. It's a sickness that's been in the church for a very long time. Jesus is instructing us to make ourselves comfortable among the least of these. These are not the people to be judged or fixed. You understand that? They're not people. God does the judging. God does the fixing. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. If you serve in neighbor, neighborhood nights, if you serve at the lunchroom project, if you involve yourself in some of the things that just a few people in this church are doing, these people will teach you more than you'll ever teach them. Because you'll learn a little bit about your self-righteousness. And you'll learn a little bit about your, I'm not going to have any association, association with a person that looks like that. I'm not going to have any association with a person that I've heard that does that thing. So we often call it evangelism, but it's actually discipleship. It's actually teaching us how we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. And that stings, but it's true. Christine Pohl that wrote Making Room, this is on the recommended reading list. She said this, the New Testament portrays Jesus as a gracious host welcoming children, prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners into his presence. Can you be that gracious host. Can you do that? Can you cross boundaries for the sake of the gospel and what we're supposed to do? These are people to be understood uh, that we are supposed to be seeking to spend time with. But this one is equally hard. Number two, Christian hospitality offers no advantage or benefit to the host. It offers no advantage to us because you know what church people do, especially those of us that really closely follow metrics. This is what we say. Well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? If I lower myself to spend time around people that don't look like me, what's actually in it for me? 
What's the bottom line for the church? How do we advance in this process? What if you're walking into this as our third core value says, servanthood, to love others like Jesus? What if you're just walking into this because God has called you to do so and no other reason? What if that's the case? Now listen at this. There actually is no benefit here, but there actually is a future benefit. I'm going to say that again. There's no benefit here because it's always about the other, but there is a future benefit. This is what Jesus says. Then the king will say to those on his right, and let me just give you some context here. Jesus is referring to to other believers, not just the poor in general. He is referring to other believers when he's talking about this. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. Then the king will reply to them, I assure you, I assure you that when you have done for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me. You are wearing gospel clothing. They are seeing the work of Jesus. Whenever you are stepping in to these atmospheres, and into these environments that not a select few are called into, but that every single one of us are actually uh, called into. And then number three today, Christian hospitality means extending guests or strangers what is generally reserved for friends or family. Now, how in the world does that make any sense? Because this tends to make people very uncomfortable. I am supposed to extend the kind of love, friendship, grace, gratitude, hospitality to people that I've never met before, to people who voted for so-and-so, to people who watch that news network, to people who have been bumming their entire lives, to people who are working the system, to people that are from countries that send others over here for to be terrorists in this country. How in the world am I supposed to love those people and welcome those people and invite those people the way that I do blood relatives? The way that I do people I've known my entire life. I want to share a picture with you guys this morning. If you guys will pull it up, right? Uh, this is my family on my, on my dad's side. Now, there's, there's someone in this picture that looks a little different. Okay, it's me. I'm the only one without any hair. That's Dan. Okay. Dan is from Ivory Coast in West Africa. Dad and Angie took Dan in whenever Dan moved here to go to college. Dan is like a son in the family. Dan Dan is like a brother to me and especially to Callie and Austin. Uh, I think Dan's working on his master's now, but otherwise he was there all the time. Dan is there on holidays. 
Dan is there on special events. Dan's been here before in the past. And I'm going to tell you something, not specifically mentioning Dan whenever I say this, but this makes a lot of people uncomfortable. I know people that I work with at the college that will take that person that doesn't have any family, that doesn't have any friends, that outsider, that loner, and they will invite them over for Thanksgiving, or they will invite them over for dinner, and other people are in the family. I'm just not sure about this. I'm just not sure. They're not blood-related. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What does the gospel teach us? What are we doing? This is central to what it means to be. You don't turn anybody away for anything in a situation like this. This is, this is fundamental. Worried it's going to wreck your, your holiday? You worried it's gonna, gonna, people are going to say something about you? We take the outsider and we bring them in like family. Only exception, I would say, is if there's a possibility of personal harm or someone that could hurt someone. Otherwise, we love others with everything in us. That, that's commandment number two of two. We can't do either of them. We don't even do well at the first one. In situations like this, people really struggle. My point would be that people feel this way would be very uncomfortable as disciples of Jesus. Very uncomfortable. And I know this is challenging a lot of us. So our general overview today and what we're going to dig deeper into as we go into this series, first, again, we must be willing to remove any prejudice that we have about the poor, the foreigner, the outcast, or anyone that is different, meaning we can approach and break bread with anyone. You want to hear about Jesus? Prostitutes, lepers, tax collectors, criminals, Gentiles in a Jewish world. Jesus didn't care. And his disciples are standing there saying, what is he doing? And you want to know something? This is driving the religious people crazy. Number two, Christian hospitality offers no advantage to the benefit or the host in this world. So you hold on tight, you keep your eyes open, and you pay attention to what's going on around you. And you say, Spirit, intervene in this moment. Help me. Does it make any sense to invite people to church when this is a level of complete discomfort for them when you won't step into their world? How does that even make sense? How does that even seem fair? And then number three, Christian hospitality means extending to guests and strangers what is generally reserved for friends and family. So I think we've got some work to do. And we're going to go much deeper into this practice. And for some of you, it's going to bring life-altering change. Life-altering change. And let me say this as we close. The legacy. You care about legacy? 
The legacy of every follower of Jesus will be measured by how well they loved. The legacy of every follower of Jesus will be measured by how well they loved. How well you love will determine how well you live. How well you love in Christ-centered agape that must flow through you based on a relationship with Jesus will determine your legacy. I'd like you guys to go back to that slide, if you will, uh, the one that says we must be willing to remove any prejudice. If you'll go back to that slide, I would appreciate it. So what we're going to do this morning, I want you to look at this very closely. We must be willing to remove any prejudice that we have about the poor. The fo- I'm not t- asking you to turn your paycheck over to somebody else. I'm asking you to remove prejudice. The foreigner, the outcast, or any other person that is different. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And what we're going to do for just a minute as the band comes up is we're just going to have a period of discernment and meditation within our hearts about where we are. And I hope that faces come to mind. I hope that your your attitude in, in certain situations comes to mind. And listen, some of you may be killing it. You may be doing this wonderful. You may have things to teach us about what this looks like. But when you see this person at the grocery store, when you see this person on the job site, when you think about your family member that just can't get it together, when you see this person that in every different way, religious views, political views, the way they look, whatever it may be, is different than you, I want to give you just a minute or two in meditative prayer to pull yourself in front of the Father And allow the Father to speak to you about the great impact and the great influence that you have as a child of the living God and where your heart is on this issue. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.